This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06, it's Thursday, the 28th of December, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Keith Kam, Anwar Mabo, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, as usual, we have a rather packed show this Thursday, even though it's the second, second, last working day of the year. Where did 2023 go? I'm sure we'll say the same thing when it comes to 2024. But anyway, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. It was a very good day in US markets. The Dow closed up 0.3%. The S&P 500 was up 0.1%. And the Nasdaq was up 0.2%. On the Asian front, Nikkei was up 1.1%. Hang Seng was up 1.7%. The Shanghai Composite was up 0.5%. STI was up 1%. And our very own FBM KLCI up 0.2%. Sadly, though, we are still down 2.7% on a year-to-date basis. Two more days to go. Yeah, two more days to go. Singapore is just behind us. In front of us, actually, down by 2.5%. Uh, but for some insights on what's moving markets, we speak to Vishnu Varadhan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank. Good morning, Vishnu. Are you the last Singaporean still working, by the way? <laughs> Good morning. I, I I hope not to be, but uh, I, I think you're closer to the truth than I am, which is probably the case with all our conversations. Well, let us start with the United States. We really can't avoid them. You know what? They (laughs) really managed to avoid a recession in 2023. So what are your expectations for next year? Will they finally make that hard or soft landing? Let's just say there's a lot of can and very little road. Um, (laughs) So I'm not so sure uh, that we ought to get, uh, you know, too, too, uh, too elated too soon. Typically, the legs between uh, the rate hikes uh, and the economic repercussions have been fairly longer. Uh, and, and that means that, you know, uh, the next, say, between anywhere between the next uh, three to six months, uh, the jury is still out, particularly given all the uh, haziness around how long the consumer can hold up with the debt build up uh, and, you know, rollover of higher interest rates, so on and so forth. Uh, so I would say this, I would say uh, 2023 has been a, a, a you know, very robust year for the U.S. economy. In, indeed, there's been a lot of exceptionalism and so on and so forth. 2024, uh, the risks are still there of a not so soft lending. Uh, and uh, the biggest, uh, you know, the thing, or, or at least the elephant in the room is by then, if the economy wobbles and the rate cuts start, that would be rate cuts too late in any mm. case. Okay, so you brought up rate cuts. I'm going to put you on the spot. For 2024, when do you think the rate cut will be? I mean, there's a meeting, FOMC meeting, January, March, April, May, you know, and June. Do you think it'll happen in the first half of the year? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, I mean, so, you know, we, when I say we, I mean I, and, 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 and I say this with all the humility, I used to be sexy. <laughs> I used to be the guy who said at least 175 basis points of cuts and this was back in September or August. Uh, and now I think that's probably where the markets is edging. So I'm just one of the consensus guys. Uh, on paper, we've got one cut in March. But that's really to make a point that the economy will be softening, whereas we are greater conviction about uh, rate cuts starting by, say, May or June. So middle of the year for sure. And then a lot of it is concentrated in the middle of the year to Q3. 
The Asian Development Bank has downgraded this year's growth forecast for ASEAN to 4.3% from 4.6% due to lackluster performance in manufacturing. Now, do you expect to see a pickup in regional export growth anytime soon? And what might provide the tailwinds if so? So let me very quickly start sounding incoherent. Despite saying that, you know, there's a not so soft landing ahead. Uh, one of the big quotes of this this year and, and this post-pandemic period has been there's a decoupling between the service and service sector and the manufacturing sector. And given how inventories are still being run down uh, and, and manufacturing, as you pointed out, has been in a slump for a while, next year is actually a year where the manufacturing sector can, can properly bottom and start picking up, led by semiconductors. So we think the, 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 the pickup in exports will come through uh, before the middle of next year. Uh, but because of some of the uncertainty in, in global demand, uh, the second half next year, the later part of next year is probably when you would find exports starting to pick up, but not necessarily in a very even uh, global economic uh, rebound. Vishnu, uh, the IMF says China's productivity growth has slowed to 1% over the past decade and Beijing has tried to address this through its dual circulation strategy. How successful has this been in boosting productivity? This month, this year. Uh, not at all. I mean, because we, one of the things that came across is even as they opened up post-pandemic, uh, we had consumers who were, you know, uh, who, who on paper wanted to do revenge spending, but didn't have the confidence to get uh, the big uh, ticket items. And, and so what was observed is even with much greater travel domestically, uh, the spend has been less. Uh, and, and that's been reflected in many numbers. And, and, and you know, the, the biggest number out there is China's deflation, the consumer deflation speaks of the story. So one part of that, that dual circulation, which is to boost domestic consumption, that has, uh, you know, somehow stumbled quite a bit. On the external front, to be fair to them, they can't do very much, particularly with the geopolitical pressures on them. Uh, and, and so that's also not really taking off in a big way. And I think that's why this year, the, uh, you know, the Central Economic Working Committee is stressing a lot on particular industries uh, and innovation because they think that, you know, with demographic decline, with the confidence deficit, the one way they can boost productivity is via innovation. How do you see the real estate crisis playing out in the new year? I think uh, there might be some mixed sentiments just because the markets are so beaten down. So on, on the equity side, uh, there would always be a propensity to rally if, they, if someone was to whisper sweet nothing. Whereas in reality on the ground, uh, and particularly for the credit guys, the bond guys, there isn't going to be much relief because you would find uh, funding being still very impeded. Uh, certainly the organic cash flow in terms of the sales picking up and confidence picking up not being restored. So a lot of the activity that comes about, if, if any does, would be to just complete existing projects for which cash has already been paid. So nothing fresh is being circulated and that would keep confidence down in the sector for a while yet. Okay, Vishnu, you touched on the 3D challenges that China have, deflation, debt, and also demographics. So what does this then mean for GDP growth in 2024? Consensus on Bloomberg shows 4.5%. Are you there? Are, are your numbers quite similar? I've blended into the crowd, haven't I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yes, I, I, we are very much there. Uh, the one thing to add, though, you know, we are tracking China's trend growth. And it's a lot closer to 4% now. So the, the, the trend potential growth is a lot closer to 4% than it is to 5 So the uh, the artificial boost that can come about from some stimulus and, and for, for 2023, certainly a low base help, uh, that is not the default. The default is for it to slide back to 4 
And it really depends on the central government how much stimulus they can put through to bring it closer to five. Uh, but this is why we, you know, most people land up between the two. Vishnu, Malaysia's inflation reached a 33-month low of 1.5% in November, marking a sustained deceleration trend since September 22. Will this give Bank Negara the impetus to consider cutting interest rates in 2024? And if so, how many reductions do you foresee ahead? It certainly creates the capacity. Now, the question is appetite. Uh, so on appetite, you know, we cannot ignore the ringgit. The ringgit is sitting on the other side of the cuts. And so the question is, are we really so uh, confident that the dollar is going to decline in such fashion that the ringgit will not weaken on rate cuts? If we are, then that's a good place to start. But even then, we must bear in mind that Bank Nagara probably raised the rates least because being quite steady in terms of rates, they would also have the least scope to cut. So our sense is that uh, the cuts will probably start, but not so soon. Probably they'll wait until the second quarter. Uh, and when it starts, they probably have somewhere between 50 to 75 basis points, depending on how quickly the Fed cuts. Uh, and the prevailing global demand conditions around it. Vishnu, my favourite topic on Forex, uh, the Sing dollar is appreciated against the, the greenback from a month ago. Where do you see the dollar Sing sitting now relative to its trading ban and do you see uh, foresee further uh, strengthening coming going forward? Uh, it's sitting at a very lofty place. So mm. within the trading bands, it's very near the top end. Um, and also, uh, the point to note is that the Sing... You know, if we go all the way back to since uh, the Fed started normalizing, which was in Q4 of uh, 2021, the Singh has been the outperformer in the entire region. But that also means it has exhausted a lot of its upside, uh, particularly from policy, so on and so forth. So the irony here is going to be that when the, do- uh, when the US dollar starts to decline more broadly, which would lift most Asian currencies, the Singh dollar at best is going to be middling uh, if not, it's going to slightly underperform the higher beta currencies because it's exploited a lot of its upside. Uh, whereas uh, the MAS has probably run out of space to tighten and probably the next move, if they made a move, if they don't hold steady, uh, that ne- next move is probably going to be an easing move. So we think the, the Sing dollar, you know, in, in the reference points will be determined by the, uh, the US dollar's decline. Uh, but uh, suffice to say that uh, you know, it, it's probably exhausted a lot of its potential to outperform. So, so what I've been reading uh, from analysts is that uh, they're expecting sort of a tapering in the uh, do- uh, the do- dollar sing rate going into the middle of 2024. But more importantly, uh, what's your prognosis uh, for the ringgit, uh, the sing against the, the the ringgit going to next year? Seeing as Beyonce has confirmed her concert in <laughs> Singapore. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that's true. Um, I, I mean, I, I want to say that the ringgit has got a lot of catch-up scope. Uh, so, you know, deep down inside, I feel that I should front load my spending in KL uh, because I think, you know, towards the back end, uh, where ringgit is in a sweet spot uh, would be when the semiconductor cycle starts up properly and then, uh, you know, the, the wider electronic sector picks up. That's where the ringgit can outperform. But in between, so between Q2 to Q3, there would be two uh, factors of wobbles for the ringgit uh, vis-a-vis the thing. One would be on, on global recession risk because ringgit gets hit harder on oil's front because oil always overreacts with the recession risk. Uh, you know, the, the second part of it is, is going to come about from the uncertainty around the real rates, uh, so on and so forth in Q3. And it's only at the, the tail end uh, that there would be a lot of catch-up scope left uh, for the ringgit to, to, to 
perform better against the Singh and, and make back some ground. All right. Thank you very much for your time. There was Vishnu Varatan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuhu Bank. Uh, by the way, he's always welcome to spend his Singapore oh, yeah. dollar in Malaysia. So many malls for him to <laughs> yeah, come to now. Yeah, lots of malls <laughs> for him to come to. Uh, but, you know, looking at what he says, it seems like when it comes to the United States, the Fed is going to be quite aggressive with the rate cuts, especially in the middle of the year. What does this then mean for emerging markets? Are we going to see the inflow that we didn't see in 2023? Because it was really 2023 was the year of the king dollar and it was the king of it was the year of the US markets the S&P is very close to its all time high we saw strong inflows there mm. it's 2024 our year but I, I seriously see that uh, from what he said, we, we, we might not even start to see any strengthening of the ringgit towards the end of 2024. And uh, as, far as, our, as far as our economy is concerned, um, yes, you know, it's great for tourists who come here to visit. It's great for our tourist, tourism dollar. But uh, as for our importers? Yeah. It's, it's actually quite good. I mean... For me, when you look at currencies, the fundamentals remain. Whether you use purchasing power parity as an economic tool to determine the value of the ringgit, we are definitely uh, you know, de- you know, under, undervalued. But it just seems to be year after year. The they ringgit, keep saying that, yes. though. So is it a question of more? It has to be confidence, right? So it mm. goes back to what our politician says. Get the reforms in place and the rest should technically... Uh, follow, which we certainly hope so. Um, next, we're going to take a look at the top stories in the newspapers and portals. Stay tuned for that, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.